So all right, hello out there. Once again, this is Beck Barnes, publisher and editor of Cotton Grower Magazine, and you are joining us here from the CG Studios this the second week of March for the world-famous Cotton Companion. I believe this is the 43rd episode of the Cotton Companion. And uh, we are coming to you from uh, here in chilly, gray Cordova, Tennessee, where it continues to rain. Although it does feel like, even though I say this, it was 30 some odd degrees two nights ago, uh, below freezing two nights ago, I should say. But it does feel like spring is just around the corner. And uh, where, whether you are joining us from Corpus Christi or Casa Grande or from any other far-flung dot on the vast U.S. Cotton Belt map, we want to thank you for joining us. And uh, I am joined today, as I always am, by my partner in crime, Cotton Grower's Senior Editor, Mr. Jim Stebman. Hello, Jim. Hello, Beck. And I, I realize how, how difficult those 30-degree temperatures were for you, knowing you know, how much you love cold weather. Yeah. Well, he sees me, Jim sees me in here shivering. Uh, I'm in a corner office in this office park building. And so anytime it's cool out, it's cold in my office. And so he sees me, you know, it'll be like a, a, a kind of coldish, you know, 50 degree day. And he will come walking past my office and I'll be there like a, a, a in a in a big down jacket, a blanket over me, shivering like I'm up in the Arctic or something. So uh, he gets a good chuckle out of that. I guess I should, too. So um, I thank you, Jim. Before we get started, we should have a, uh, we want to bring you a quick word from our sponsor, Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. Well, all right. So this is our first pod back following what was a very hectic Mid-South Farm and Gin Show weekend here in Memphis. That was this past weekend. Um, and as always, boy, it was we were uh, just running around like crazy all weekend. <laughs> we love that show. It's a show that is an engine for ag business. And uh, nobody takes better advantage of that, of having all of these important ag companies and products and brands under a single roof than we do, to be sure. It's why we stay so busy. It's also a show that has been described as one Ferris wheel short of a county fair with uh, all of the activity and family fun that's to be had there with puppy auctions and kids climbing all over the equipment. God bless y'all equipment dealers who allow <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of children to climb all over these. And uh, it's not just children either. I yeah, mean, right, well, grown-up children Yeah, there's too. some grown-up kids yeah, crawling all over the tops of those things as well. Right. So I, I know that, that if you are a dealer and own, uh, you know, have some stake in that equipment that is very high dollar, God bless you and your patience. Um, so, uh, but anyhow, it's a, I joke about that. It's a gigantic show. 20,000 people generally around that number go through the door at that Mid-South Farm and Gin Show. So, uh, again, frankly, it wears us out, but it is one... Uh, that uh, one of the big draws to that thing each year is the market analysis provided by the market experts that speak there, especially uh, the economic update delivered by Mr. Joe Nicosia, uh, who many of you will no doubt know. It's he's still it's Allenberg, right? Or, well, it's now Louis Dreyfus Commodities. Louis, I should know that. Yes. I, I have known that over the years, and it's one of those things that slips my mind on occasion. So it's Louis Dreyfus is who he's with now, but y'all no doubt already know that. Joe is very well known, very well respected throughout the industry. 
And uh, when he speaks, people listen. I, I will say I sat through his hour-long speech uh, this year, as did Jim here. We were on the front row listening to that thing. Saw somebody tweet that he really went out on a limb, uh, said saying prices will be trending between 55 and 95 cents this year. <laughs> and I got a chuckle out of that. But, it, it, of course, he mm-hmm. offered a much more expert insight, much more insightful insight, if that's a, a, a way to phrase something. But um, it is a bunch to digest is the thing. It's an hour-long speech where he gives you just mm-hmm. such dynamic analysis. And so that's something that I'm doing right now, uh, just as an FYI, I'm breaking down all of that speech and presenting uh, that in our story that you will be able to read in our April issue. So uh, you, you can uh, you can look forward to that, but more immediately, you can look forward to hearing that speech verbatim in this episode, in this podcast. Um, we can tell you a little bit more about that later, but uh, just in brief, we were able to record that speech and Joe very graciously gave us permission to re re purpose reproduce that use excerpts basically from use excerpts there yes. we go which is what we do later but we'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about that later for now uh we want to tell you more about the entire episode we got a great episode in store for y'all as always we are going to be reviewing the ag news of the day that uh, the headlines that have come across the wire over the past couple of weeks since we last joined you jim has been looking at those uh some of those topics will be will include uh the arkansas state plant board outlining new plans for in-crop dicamba products uh we have a shout out to members of the stoneville legacy club who were down on the beach last week as i was freezing here in memphis <laughs> so uh good for y'all good for basf for, for picking a good time to be down there uh phytogen's overwhelming success with their blue greens go uh, blue jeans rather go green donations at the mid-south farm and gin show and then another last reminder about some ginning schools. So in addition to those piping hot news items, we are also going to be bringing you all that segment from Nicosia's nearly hour-long speech that he gave at the Canon Performing Arts Center here in Memphis. Jim curated that thing for you all. Um, and I believe, Jim, you said that it, this of that hour-long speech, this first segment that we're going to run is about seven minutes. It's about seven actually. minutes long, and, and we'll set that up as, as we move farther into it. But you know, there are other issues and other topics that he covers obviously in his hour that we will be bringing to you over the course of the next uh, episode next episode or maybe the next two episodes because there's just a lot of good information in there yeah we're going to piecemeal it for you so we hopefully we are presenting that in easily digestible little uh, snippets there so after that we are going to spend our one big thing segment this week talking about an award that is very near and dear to my heart which is the cotton grower cotton achievement award which we handed out at the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show, another thing that kept us busy, and we were very happy to do it. And so we'll be talking about the our honoree and that program in the One Big Thing segment. So I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Jim, we are going to dive right in, and uh, you can just take it away. I believe you want to talk about that plant board development. Absolutely, because uh, obviously we haven't talked about dicamba or, or any of the oxen herbicides in, you know, what, two weeks or so? Uh, but anyway, yeah, as Beck mentioned, there's just a few items of interest that we want to talk about today. Uh, first, obviously, as we have talked about in other podcasts, uh, the grower and applicator training sessions for certification for use of oxen herbicides this year are still going on across most of the cotton belt. And certainly check with your local extension agents uh, or check online with, uh, with their calendars to find out if there's a meeting uh, that is still on the schedule near you. But in late February... 
the Arkansas State Plant Board issued a newly adopted plan for management and in-crop use of dicamba products in, this, in that state this year. Uh, the Plant Board's new plan allows restricted use of dicamba in 2019 through May 25th, which is essentially a month longer than the 2018 guidelines, and it's applicable to all of the current dicamba products, and that would be Ingenia, Fexapan, and Extendamax for the first time, and any other future dicamba products that will be registered for in-crop use in Arkansas. Now, there's several changes in uh, in this, and, and the uh, those changes in this proposed rule include uh, restrictions on in-crop applications of dicamba from May 26 to October 31. So after May 26, that's your, your cutoff point. Uh, a half-mile buffer zone is going to be required around all non-dicamba crops when dicamba is applied. A one-mile buffer zone is going to be required around university and USDA research stations, certified organic crops, and commercially grown specialty crops between April 16th and May 25th. Uh, you cannot mix dicamba with glyphosate in that same time period from April 16th to May 25th. And, and uh, applicators will have to provide proof of training to pesticide dealers prior to purchasing dicamba products for in-crop use. Now I talked with, uh, again, this, this information came out just about the time the, uh, the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show uh, started, and I talked with uh, several growers during the show and most of them seemed okay with these revised rules, uh, feeling like this new application window is going to allow them to get at least one good dicamba application down before the deadline, obviously provided fields dry out and planting occurs on a reasonably normal schedule. So uh, that's, that's really the first bit of additional state-related information on, the, uh, on, dicamba, on dicamba and, uh, and the other oxen herbicides. So uh, it's, uh, I think some of the folks in Arkansas are, are feeling a little bit of relief at this point that finally they should be able to put that technology to good use. No doubt. Uh, second, we want to congratulate the 20 growers uh, from the Southeast, Mid-South, and South Texas who qualified for the Stoneville Legacy Club uh, based on their, on, on their 2018 crops. Uh, as Beck mentioned, those growers were honored during a special celebration uh, in late February in Destin, Florida, which obviously, is, as you mentioned, is a really nice break before heading to the fields. Yeah. Uh, qualify for the club. Uh, growers had to plant 100% Stoneville cottonseed on at least 20 qualifying acres during 2018. These 20 qualifying growers for the year were, re were recognized for harvesting yields in the top 10% of their state. Uh, if you're interested in finding out who these folks are, a complete list of winners, uh, and also information on how to qualify for the 2019 Stoneville Legacy Club can be found online at stoneville.com slash LC. Yeah, if you guys want to get, if you guys want to duck the 25 degree spitting rain gray mid-south, or I guess they have folks in from all over, but if I would understand if you were from Memphis and wanted to get out of town around that February, late February window, be a good program to be involved in. Absolutely. If for you know, aside from the benefit of you know yielding well and doing good at your the business that you run, uh, a, a nice little fringe benefit. It's a nice reward for a job well done. There you go. There we go. Uh, we also want to offer congratulations to Phytogen for their efforts in organizing regional denim collections for Cotton Incorporated's Blue Jeans Go Green program. Uh, that's a great program where worn out or unneeded denim 
It's donated and upcycled into a home insulation product. And a percentage of that product uh, is donated every year by Cotton Incorporated, by, by the Cotton Incorporated and the manufacturer to Habitat for Humanity for, uh, for some of their builds throughout the country. Uh, but during the two-day Mid-South Farm and Gin Show, Phytogen collected more than 1,500 denim articles uh, from FFA chapters and individual donors in Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi, Missouri, and Alabama. And that includes some pretty significant contributions, and we're talking about truckloads, uh, coming in from, uh, from FFA chapters in, up around uh, Munford, Tennessee, and from another chapter over in eastern Arkansas. These kids made no bones about their enthusiasm for the program. So uh, congratulations. That'll, uh, that keeps that program moving and, and moving well. And uh, keep your eyes open for, for donation opportunities in your areas as well. Yeah, a heartwarming thing to see, all those uh, high school kids donating their time, probably, you know, uh, knowing teenagers, they could be doing hundreds of other things. Uh, but uh, be participating in that program, good charitable program. And they were excited, like you say. They were, you know, anytime I saw them around that gin show, the uh, Corteva booth was right, actually right across from our booth. So I watched a couple of big groups. I didn't know uh, the details of what was going on over there. I just saw boatloads of teenagers bringing in all these uh, denim and stuff, and they were doing fun photo shoots with them and everything. So it was great to see, heartwarming to see. So kudos to everybody involved with that program. Absolutely. And then, and then, Last, last, just to kind of wrap this segment up, um, we've talked about it before, but I want to give you another quick reminder to the Jenners, Gen Managers, and Superintendents out there that uh, registration for the 2019 Jenner School is, is officially open, has been for a couple weeks, uh, and all registration information and course descriptions can be found online at cotton.org slash ncga slash genschool. And again, just as a quick reminder, those school locations and dates are the Southwest Jenner School. That will be at the South Plains Jenning Laboratory in Lubbock, Texas on April 1 through 3. The Western Jenner School at the Southwest Jenning Research Laboratory in Masilla Park, New Mexico. That will be May 7th through the 9th. And the Stoneville Jenner School at the USDA Jenning Lab in Stoneville, Mississippi uh, will happen on June 4th through the 6th. So, uh, if you're interested in those schools, uh, if they they certainly apply to uh, uh, you know to the good folks in the ginning industry, it's a it's a good time for uh, you know for folks to get together and, and get up to date on on the technologies and the rules and regulations. So look forward to uh, seeing all those folks sign up for that. Yeah, yeah, good deal, good deal. All right, Jim. Well, I thank you for that. Uh, we want to pause right now, though. We need to bring you all a message from our sponsor, Phytogen. Our uh, custom content editor, Robin Sickberg, had the chance to sit down with uh, Phytogen's Dr. Steve Brown. He is the Phytogen Cotton A, rather, not the, I think there's more than one, a Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist. And so we're happy to hear from those two right now. Hello, I'm Robin Sitberg, Custom Content Editor for Meister Media Worldwide, and I'm here with Dr. Steve Brown, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist. Welcome to the program. Uh, good to be with you again. Yes. You know, the last time we had you on the podcast, we were talking about uh, the importance of high-yielding varieties, and but growers need more than high yields. Uh, so what else should go into a variety selection other than the yield potential? 
well, the whole package of, of the production system is what the farmer's thinking about. And he's and he is chasing yield, but he's also got to deliver fiber quality. That's very important uh, across the U.S. cotton belt. Other things would, would be the trait packages, uh, insect control, weed control systems, resistance to pests such as bacterial blight and, and root knot nematodes. All those would factor in. And I think our phytogen lineup delivers in a great way in that regard. Specifically on fiber quality, there is probably no variety that sets the bar like phytogen 444, which has really been broadly adapted across the U.S. And when you think about fiber length, fiber strength, and micronear, it's just a great variety. And I think as we develop and, and convert our portfolio to the wide strike three flex and list traits, again, we are seeking to produce uh, that kind of quality as we go forward. So, again, all that package fits together to help the farmer uh, be be profitable on the farm in terms of growing cotton. There's, there's, all that fits together. Yeah, so it's about you know saving money on the crop management side and saving labor and also increasing revenue by having excellent quality. Is that right? Yes, it, it, it's nice to, to make a great yield, and that's what we all uh, seek to achieve. But then maybe when you can see a two or three cent premium on top of that, uh, that's a that's a great package it, it, to add to the bottom line. And again, we're we're excited to see our whole portfolio of phytogen varieties move in that that uh, uh, effort towards fiber quality, just like four four four. Where can growers go to get more information about the phytogen varieties and especially some of these uh, newer ones? There's always the online source of phytogen.com, but hopefully there's that ever-present territory manager. And then the cotton development specialists are are scattered across the U.S. cotton belt. All those would be very, very good sources, eager sources of phytogen information. Well, thank you again, Steve, for being on the program once again. um, We really appreciate your advice today and appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. All right, very good. So thank you, Robin and Dr. Steve Brown, for that. Um, We are now going to keep this thing rolling here and move from one interview into the next. We want to actually, this is not really an interview for this Market Minute segment, the Market Minute segment, normally a interview that Jim conducts. As we said, this week we are bringing you guys uh, a snippet from the uh, speech given by Mr. Joe Nicosia, uh, from the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show. As y'all know, um, he is the president. It's not, it's, you just told me, Jim, it's not Allenberg anymore. It is Louis Dreyfus commodities. commodities, of course. And uh, Joe is somebody who watches that market and our industry with the trained eye of a hawk. And whenever he speaks, people around this industry take notice, uh, as y'all no doubt know. And he had a lot to say last weekend. So we are going to roll a segment of that out right now. Jim, I think you had a couple little notes. Yeah, just a couple little notes for those of you who will be listening to this because, you know, Joe's not only talking, but he's also referring to some charts and some other information uh, up on the screen. And you're going to hear him refer to those from time to time, but Joe also does a great job of explaining that information uh, pretty thoroughly. Uh, So you should be able to kind of visualize a little bit about, about what he's saying. You're also going to hear him refer from time to time to his market expert, and this is part of his uh, part of his entire presentation. His market expert happened to be baseball great Yogi Berra, uh, and Joe does a great job of tying some of uh, Yogi's more memorable quotes into this. Uh, the segment today, uh, you're going to hear Joe talk about 
sort of provide his perspective on the current trade dispute between the U.S. and China and offer three possible outcomes and their impact on the the U.S. cotton business. So here's Joe Nicosia. This is the big one, straight the trade dispute with China. So I guess it would be a little bit of a misnomer to call it Russian roulette since it's Chinese roulette, but this is where we're at. So let's ask ourselves, who's feeling the pain from this? I think there's plenty of it to go around a little bit everywhere. But when we look at what happened in the marketplace, we can put a few timelines up here to really highlight the impact of this trade war. So that might be a little small for everybody in the back to read, so I'll kind of help you through it a little bit. But we can see when prices moved to 95 cents, it was exactly at the time when we came through June when U.S. and China trade talks ended without a resolution. Following that, we had the implications of what happened when uh, President Trump ordered a list of $200 billion for tariffs. As time went through, things didn't get any better. We ratcheted up, we asked for the list, the increasing the tariffs, to where we find ourselves further down the line today, where obviously we're back into negotiations to see if we can come up with a solution to the trade talks. You don't have to be too smart to take a look at that graph to see the implications and the negativity of what the trade war has brought to us and its direct implications to cotton. We hear a lot about it with soybeans, We hear about it in general in the farm community, but you don't really hear the amount, the same amount of press, the same amount of concern about the cotton community. And yet, as it turns out, just because we were starting from a higher level, and we had the extra push up in prices because of the drought and the hurricanes for a while, that we were masked with the pain that we were suffering, but now I think it shows that we had just as big of a brunt of it as soybeans or any of the other commodities that have been out there. So my expert, one of the problems when we lose China is we lose market share. And as he says, you better cut that pizza in four pieces because I'm not hungry enough to eat six. So where do we stand on our market share? How bad has it been? This is a graph of China's cotton imports market share by month. The red line is the United States. You can see how well we used to do. So back in January, February, March, it went 18. Well, if you find right in here, you can see that. That's June of 18. That's it. We're in the medical profession, we say we flatlined. It's essentially gone to almost zero. So our market share, doesn't matter how many pieces we cut it in, it's heading to zero. And if we look at it over years relative, for total imports over a period of time, you can see how well we did. We were always the first or the second largest exporters to China. Now we're heading straight down to the bottom. So our impact has been real and it's been substantial. So here we are. It's time to make a deal, right? We're at the cusp of it. So we're either gonna make a deal and or do we use the art of the deal. So, let's play a little game. You guys remember this? It's time to let's make a deal. So let's go ahead and move forward. What door do we want to choose? Well, our first contestant here, I'm going to call her Mrs. Cotton. She's going to choose door number three. And let's see what she gets. When we go to door number three, she gets 
the current outlook, the way we are today. So where do we stand today in our current outlook? Well, we got a GDP growth that's reasonable, but slightly lower than where we were. We find ourselves with a 1.1 million bill increase in consumption. It's projected to be much higher, but because of the problems in the trade war and uncertainties in the world, it's held back consumption and economic activity. We find that we have a consumption deficit situation of 5.2 million. We're still drawing down those world stocks. We're still using more than we're producing in this current year. And we find ourselves in the United States with a reasonable 35% export share. We have large production and large export competition coming from Brazil. And our expected future range is about 68 cents. So, that would be good if we had door number three. But, maybe we're not happy with that. You think she wants to switch? Try for something better? Let's see if she wants to go for door number one. Uh, zonk. Uh, I hate when that happens, right? So what do we get with door number one? Well, congratulations, you got an extended trade war. You got an extended trade war with China. And what are those benefits that we're gonna get from an extended trade war with China? Well, I don't think it's too hard to realize that we're gonna get higher import tariffs. We're gonna get more non-trade barriers that come through to where we're at. Those non-trade barriers are real in the cotton industry. We gotta be careful of those. We get a continued disruption and displacement of trades and goods and services. We have a reduction in cotton exports to the world's largest importer. We will definitely have a reduction in imports of the United States, exports from the United States into there. We create a marginal decrease in total world cotton demand due to higher costs of trade that are going to take place, and a preference for foreign cotton over the United States, which will make it even worse from what we have. And we'll have rising U.S. stocks, and we're going to end up with a price about 55 to 65, and I might be optimistic. Well, if that happens with China, they're half or nothing. We get half or nothing, and as Fog Hong Leghorn said, two halves of nuts is a whole nothing. That's about what we'll end up with. But we could have chose door number two. And what would have happened if we chose door number two? Well, we would have gotten a trade deal. Those benefits would include the potential for a reduction in tariffs on both sides to where we're at. Possible reduction in non-tariff barriers, such as bagging and quota, critically important. So many people don't understand that even when we sell China, do you know they have the right by contract to reject all your bales because they don't like polypropylene? They don't like what you wrap it in. Now, they haven't done it in the past, but they have the right to reject all of your bales. That's a scary situation. Quota, they can control how much goes in. Not only control how much goes in, they can tell them what growths they can buy with it. So even if they're trying to act like they're following up on WTO and some of the rules that they agree to abide by, they change them along the way if they want to. So hopefully if we make a deal, we're going to address the non-trade non tariff barriers as well that are out there. We get the facilitation of the flow of goods. We get an increase of market share in the United States from Chinese imports. We get a temporary increase in demand for U.S. exports. And we get the incentive for production in the United States for future years to come because we 
go ahead and secure the largest buyer. And if we get that in the old crop, I think prices move up very quickly and they'll move 80 to 95 cents in the old crop if we can get a deal done with China here fairly, uh, fairly soon. All right. Uh, we do, uh, we want to thank Joe again, such a great speech that he gives and uh, we want to thank him for allowing us to use that snippet of his file. He did give us permission to be able to repurpose this. So we thank him for that. So finally, we want to move on to our one big thing this week, our one big thing segment. And uh, it's, it's kind of a more simplified one big thing segment this week. We just want to tell you all about the 2018 Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award, which was sponsored by Next Gen Brand Cotton Seed from Americot. Uh, we gave this thing away we gave the award on Friday at the Mid-South Gin Show to a gentleman named Bowen Flowers. So uh, if you live and farm in the Mid-South and or have had any dealings within the National Cotton Council or American Cotton Producers, you're liable to know Bowen. Uh, he has held a litany of positions within those two organizations specifically, uh, including lead leading them as president and chairperson uh, over the years, over his illustrious career. He's also been heavily involved with Staple Cotton, as well as uh, the Delta Council, which is a kind of Mississippi Delta-wide, uh, uh, to describe it clumsily, almost like a Chamber of Commerce organization. Uh, with, very, very good description. Yeah, within within the uh, Mississippi Delta. <laughs> and he is, you know, the type of guy who cares about his hometown, his, his home region, his state, and his national industry. Um, he's, if you... I could read y'all off a, the list of his biography, which we did some research on and was provided to us by various organizations of all of the positions that he's held over the years, but it would tack on another five minutes to this podcast. So, uh, for, to, if you're interested in that information, it's currently online at cottongrower.com, uh, and you'll also find it in uh, in the March and upcoming April issue. Yeah, the April issue will have an insert uh, about the award right. that, we, that we gave to Bowen. So. Suffice to say, y'all, he is—he's <laughs> donated just un, untold hours and uh, untold amounts of effort to preserving the cotton industry in the in America, and that's the type of guy who we want to hand, hand this award to. Um, there are other themes that you might notice if you were to read out a list of all the positions that he's held. Conservation is a key issue that he's very uh, concerned with. And so, you know, I personally truly appreciate that as somebody who's also from the Delta. And so uh, he's an industry leader, he's a husband, he's a dad, and he's a cotton farmer. And it's somebody who I suspect the majority of y'all listening to this podcast could relate to and truly uh, have uh, just great reservoirs of respect for as I do. So uh, we were just tickled pink to uh, be able to hand this thing to Bowen Flowers at there at the Mid-South Gin Show. We've, we've been giving out I say we, Cotton Grower Magazine has been giving out this award since 1970. Stedman stopped me earlier when I mentioned that. He's like, well, you hadn't personally been getting, no, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hand it out back in and neither And neither have I, by the way, right. although I'm closer. <laughs> right. So uh, the magazine has been handing out the Cotton Achievement Award since 1970. This year, uh, when we gave out the 2018 award, we did give it out in March of 19, but it's the 2018 version of the award. Uh, was the 49th consecutive year for us to be handing that thing out. And it's a special fraternity of guys who have won that award. And, uh, you know, that they are folks who most people in the industry will recognize because they have just held those types of positions and gone to bat for the industry in high-profile situations. 
uh, whenever this industry has needed someone to step up, these are the guys who have done it. And again, we are just uh, pleased as could be to be able to hand Bowen this award and add him to that group. He is a deserving member as anyone who's won it, to be sure. And we want to give a special shout out to the good folks at NextGen Brand Cottonseed for sponsoring this thing. You know, uh, we, we will carry this. It's a legacy program. We'll carry this award forward with or without a sponsor. In fact, last year, I went out to Lubbock at the Texas Gin Show and presented the award to Sean Holliday, a farmer out there who many of y'all no doubt know. And uh, at that time, the award didn't have a sponsor. So I was uh, very happy to be able, I was very happy with Plains uh, Cotton Growers who allowed me to step on their podium at their annual meeting to hand that award to him. Uh, but we did so without a sponsor. This year, thankfully, NextGen did come alongside of this program and generously supported this uh, the achievement award with uh, and you know with with a sponsorship with their support we're able to more adequately give these guys their due you know we give them a nice luncheon we give them a platform we allow them to be surrounded by their fr- uh, friends and family and industry peers which is as it should be you know the, these guys family their neighbors their uh, folks that they work with in various capacities that they want to be in the room to clap for these gentlemen when they win this deserving award. And so uh, without NextGen, we wouldn't have been able to make that happen. So we, we want to offer them a special thanks, you know, for a brand like that to come alongside that program really demonstrates their commitment to this industry in uh, honoring somebody who leads it. So uh, special thanks to NextGen, no doubt. So, all right, that's going to just about do it for this installment, the 43rd episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, We want to thank, once again, Mr. Joe Nicosia for graciously allowing us to use that segment of his speech here on the podcast. Uh, And we want to uh, thank Phytogen, of course, for sponsoring us. And we want to thank you, dear listeners, sincerely for joining us. Uh, We know that uh, if you like what you're hearing, by all means, we want you to please tell your, your buddies, your farmer friends, your ag industry friends about us. They can get to our podcast in three easy ways. The first is going to cottongrower.com forward slash companion, where you'll find all of our archived episodes on a homepage there. They can also subscribe. You can also subscribe to our channel on iTunes. If you're familiar with iTunes on your smartphone, just go ahead and uh, search for the Cotton Companion in that podcast app on your iPhone. And uh, you can subscribe to our channel. Leave us a rating. Let us know what you think of us. Third way, best way to be able to receive, make sure you receive each installment of the Cotton Companion is to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. All we need is your email address for that thing. Uh, Jim here works hard to pack that with all of the relevant news of the day, and they hit your email inbox like clockwork every Tuesday morning. So you can do that by simply going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe and it will lead you a very intuitive path to sign up for that e-newsletter. Again, the main thing we need is just your e-news email address. So please also make sure y'all are following us on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us by simply searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Y'all know how Facebook works. And uh, we hope that you are enjoying our latest issue, which at this point, do they have the March issue in their hands? going to be coming real soon. If you don't have it yet, it'll be there very soon, yeah. Uh, and it's a good one. So the April <clears throat> issue will be due out here, gosh, just second week of March now. So it'll be another month before that one's out. And I need all that time to process that <laughs> Nicosia speech. So thank you for granting me that, that time. There. It'll be a good one, too. There you go. Now, this podcast 
is produced by Mr. Tyler Hatch, who works at the mothership Meister Media Worldwide in beautiful mm-hmm. Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I'm going to be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own cotton companion, Jim Stebman, we wish you and your farm all the best. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of The Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com.